the two big man lineup that the Detroit Pistons have been trying to do, the numbers are astonishing. In today's episode, I'm going to be breaking down those numbers, providing some examples over the last few games of why this lineup should stop being used. The Pistons need to go away from this two big man lineup and how it's not just affecting their teammates, but affecting each other. We're going to talk about that in today's episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free to available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button. We're on our way to 5,000 subscribers, just about 170 subscribers away. So if you haven't already, go over there and hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Coming up later in the podcast, we'll talk about all rookie teams and if Jalen Duran and Jane Ivey should both make the first team all rookie. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But first, we're going to be breaking down this two-big-man lap that the Detroit Pistons have been trying. The numbers are astonishing. They're not good. And there's multiple different examples, multiple different numbers. I'm going to bring up a few photos under the screen for those on YouTube. I'll break it down, obviously, for you guys on the podcast. But this two-big-man lap, I said it when they first tried doing it, that it wasn't going to work. It was it was backwards thinking. And it was going to hurt everybody. So before I even get to listing these numbers, I don't know about laptop or PC, whatever. Um, this is the most tabs I've had open on my my screen since like I was the site expert at Piston Powered back when I was writing all the time. Like I have like, about twenty tabs open for all this data that I'm about to bring to you guys here. So the first the first set of data I want to show you guys is just the two big man lineup numbers itself. So according to Cleaning the Glass, and I'm using the two bigs of James Wiseman and Marvin Bagley because the lineup with Jalen Duran and Wiseman or Jalen Duran and Bagley over this time, it doesn't have enough uh, possessions, doesn't have enough time on the floor together for it to really matter at all. So we can't use those numbers. So I'm using the numbers of Wiseman and Bagley, which we've gotten a ton of possessions of. So according to Cleaning the Glass, the Pistons and on-off differential or their net rating differential over a hundred, uh, over a hundred possessions. The Pistons are in the zeroth percentile. I don't even know if that's a word. Zero. That like usually you'd say first, second, twenty third, fifty third. They're in the zero percentile. So the worst in the entire NBA. This lineup. That's how badly it is. It's the worst in the entire NBA when it con- <clears throat> when it comes to their on off difference. Okay, just it's awful. So then you go over to their points per possession, points score, points scored. My goodness, per 100 possessions, they're in the fifth percentile, 106 points per uh, 100 possessions. You go to their defense, again zero percentile. They're the worst defense in the entire NBA of any lineup that gets played. 131 points per 100 possessions with these two bigs on the floor. It's the worst lineup. It's the worst duo in the entire NBA. No joke. It's awful. It's 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 terrible. They have to just those numbers themselves should say enough that this has to stop. It just has to stop. It's hurting everybody. But now let's get a little bit more specific about it. If you put Jane Ivy, you put Jane Ivy on the floor with them. So you have 
all the all the lineups with Jane Ivy, Bagley, and Wiseman together on the floor. Their difference, on-off difference, minus 32. Again, zero percentile. Worse than the entire NBA. Their points per 100 possession, zero percentile. Worse than the entire NBA, 98.5 points per 100 possessions. That's horrific. Po- uh, on defense, points per 100 possession. Again, zero percentile. 130.9 points, 100 possessions per 100 possessions. It's awful. It's it's literally the worst in the entire NBA. Let's go over to Killian Hayes when he shares the floor with Wiseman and Bagley. I'm doing the two guards. You'll see why later. Killian Hayes, the on-off difference, it's in the first percentile at 18, uh, minus 18.8. Their points per 100 possessions for offense, ninth percentile, 108.3. Their defense is first percentile, 127 points per 100 possessions. So when you put these two guys just on the floor together with anybody, it's the worst in the league. When you put them on the floor with one of the guards that the Pistons have been playing, it's just as bad. It gets worse. It's terrible. The numbers the numbers are honestly astonishing. I couldn't believe that they're actually as bad as they are. So let's move on past that. Let's move past those, those numbers. I want to show you guys something, and those of you who are on YouTube watching this, you guys will see it pop up on the screen. But I'll explain it for you guys who are watching it or listening at home through the podcast. On the screen now, I have Jane Ivey shot chart against the Toronto Raptors last game. As you can see, you're, you'll only see one shot attempt at the rim. You have two shot attempts at the dotted line that were kind of pull-up mid-range shots. So really, I mean, you guess maybe you could count that as a paint look. I'm not going to really. So essentially, Jane Ivey had one paint touch, really, paint shot in that game against the Toronto Raptors. Now you're looking at Killing Hayes' shot chart against the Raptors. He had zero shots in the paint. Zero. Now, before we move on to what I want to compare this to and why I'm doing this, the Toronto Raptors. So when you when you run this two-big man lineup against any other team, just any other team in the NBA, you're already putting yourselves at disadvantage uh, uh, spacing-wise. Guys are going to be cheating in the passing lanes. Guys are going to be cheating in the driving lanes. They're going to be sagging off. It's tough to get all the way to the rim. Now, when you go against a team like the Toronto Raptors, like the Pistons just did a few days ago, and the Pistons get destroyed and blitzed, why, why did that happen? I saw some fans saying, Oh, they didn't show enough effort. No, that is not why. The Toronto Raptors have the personnel to absolutely blow up what the Pistons are doing. When you run this two-big man lineup and you have no spacing on the floor, the Toronto Raptors are extremely long, they're extremely physical, and they're extremely athletic. They love to get in the passing lanes. They love to use their length with their wings to really frustrate guys. And they have a great point of attack defender, Fred Van Vliet. The reason why I bring this up, when you go against a team like Detroit, who has no spacing and they're playing two bigs together, all that does is encourage a team like Toronto with that kind of personnel that they have to be even more aggressive, to be even more advantageous, to be even more risky with how they want to play the driving lanes, how they want to play the passing lanes. And that's why Jane Ivey had nine turnovers. That's why Killian Hayes couldn't even get a look at the rim. That's why Jane Ivey only had one look at the rim because the Toronto Raptors were set up perfectly to absolutely destroy. Most every other team is in the NBA destroys this lineup too, like the numbers I just brought up. But specifically against the Raptors, who have the personnel they do, they absolutely just feasted on the Pistons. And there was nothing that their guards could do. Their guards were thrown out there into the middle of the ocean with no life raft and said, hey, swim back home. That's what they did against the Raptors. And that's why the Pistons got blown out. That's why Jane Ivey damn near had 10 turnovers. That's why him and Killian Hayes combined for one look at the rim. It, it, it's, it's hurting their young guards. 
if you don't give a damn about Killian Hayes, I, I obviously do. If you don't care about Killian, Jane Ivey's being screwed just as much. Jane Ivey had nine turnovers, and I attribute a lot of it to the fact that the Raptors were allowed to be so aggressive in the passing lanes and get so physical in the driving lanes because they didn't respect any of the guys they were surrounding off of. It's killing Jane Ivey. Killing Jane and Ivey running this two-big man lineup. Now, I'm going to bring up two different shot charts now from the game before this one against, against the Raptors, the game against the Hawks. Let me know if you guys did anything different in these ones. This one is Killian Hayes' shot chart against the Hawks. You see anything different? I count one, two, three, four shots in the paint, and then you have two more shots from the dotted line, and you have one shot from just about the low block area. So look at all those shots around the rim, close to the rim against the, against the Hawks. Now let's pull up Jane Ivey's shot chart against the Hawks. I count one, two, three, four, five, six shots at the rim. I see one shot just inside the dotted line and another shot at the dotted line. Well, your question to me may be, well, Koo, if they're running the two-big-man lineup, why was it so different the game before against the Hawks versus what it was against the Raptors? Oh, I'll tell you why. Because the game against the Hawks, Jalen Duran was out, and James Wiseman dealt with foul trouble the entire game, so they barely shared the floor with two bigs. So in the game that they didn't have to play against two bigs, Killian Hayes had 15 points in the first quarter. Jane Ivey lived at the rim. Killian Hayes got multiple looks at the rim. When you give them a space floor, these two guys, again, if even if you say screw Killian Hayes, even though he's looked better over the last over the last week, two weeks or so, and he had that great stretch, whatever. Even if you don't care about him, Jane Ivey had seven, damn near seven looks at the rim when he played with the space floor and one big. You then verse that to what happened in the following game when they were forced to play with those two bigs. He had one shot at the rim. Jane Ivey can't be stopped one-on-one getting to the rim. He should be an automatic paint touch just like that. At the snap of my fingers, he should be an easy paint touch. But no, because the Pistons are forcing this two-big man lineup that has no spacing and doesn't even do what a two-big man lineup you figure would do, which is dominate the glass. By the way, they got destroyed in the glass in the game against the Raptors. Not only do they win the, the they don't win the rebounding battle, they don't protect the rim, they don't dominate the paint. All they do is literally actively hurt the Pistons' young guards, and then in result are hurting each other. Marvin Bagley and Wiseman. I know Marvin Bagley had a great game against the Hawks. He hit four out of five threes. Well, if Marvin Bagley's going to hit four threes, then okay, he'll have a good game. But when he doesn't, you see what happens. It, this this has to stop, man. It's just it's lunacy. Please, please stop. The only big that has a chance at making this kind of thing work, and it, I just want to make this clear, it's close to 0% working, even with this guy, maybe 1% with this with this lineup. But if you want to do it with Jalen Duren, he's the only one who has the skill set of something that kind of makes it work, which is his passing. He has enough passing in the short roll to try to take advantage of it. But the guys you have him surrounded with, still, that wouldn't work either. It still would be awful because the guy you have him next to can't shoot. So please, for the love of God, after all the numbers I've presented to you guys, after the shot charts I brought up onto the screen and we broke down, for the love of God, please stop starting James Wiseman and Marvin Bagley together. For the love, please, just please. It's hurting the Pistons guards. It's actively hurting them. And it's not doing any good. It's literally the worst lineup in the entire NBA when they get played. It's, it's awful. Please, for the love of God, stop. Stop. I... I, I that's, that's all I've got with that, man. After after listening to that segment, everything I broke down, let me know what you guys' thoughts are. Comment section down below. 
or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. Man, I'm heated. I, I, it, it was never going to work. It made no sense from the get-go. So the fact that it was something that we kept trying to force, that Dwayne Casey and, and the front office or whoever's forcing it is continuing trying to force, it's just – it's. <sighs> when we come back, man, uh, coming up, we'll talk about the all-rookie teams. Will Jane Ivey and Jalen Duren both make all-rookie first teams? We're going to talk about that when we come back. But first, I got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Price Picks. Tonight, let's say you wanted to take – uh, let's say the Pistons play. You want to take the over on Jane Ivey's assist. You want to take the over on Killian Hayes' assist. And then let's say the NFL was still going on, and you want to take the over on DeAndre Swift's rushing yards and the over on Jared Goff's passing yards. Well, you can do that with price picks and put it into the exact same entry. And it's why it's my favorite daily fantasy option. You pick two to six players to see if they score more or less than their price picks projection. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. No competing against other players. It's just you versus the projections available. Price Picks offers projections just about any sport that you watch. And I tell you, just about any sport that you can think of. Esports, it's there. NBA, NFL, it's there. Women's sports, it's there. College sports, it's there. Disc golf, boxing, MMA, Euro, literally everything is on there. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals, currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Download the Price Picks app or go to pricepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports today. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Price Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Price Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on and sign up for an instant deposit match of up to $100 with Price Picks. Again, use promo code locked on at Price Picks. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Man, I'm I'm, I'm heated. I, I can't lie to you guys. I'm still like fuming over here after that segment, man. It's just, it's it's it makes it such a tough watch. It, it makes it so much worse of a watch for fans when they kind of, when they do these kind of things that, hurt the young players, makes the product on the floor trash. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. I, let me take a drink of water real quick. I, I'm actually burning up. Hold on. Had to, had to get a drink of water. That's how, that's how, how much this had me fuming. All right. Moving on to the all-rookie teams. Now, this rookie class is really good. It, it's really, really good. They have a lot of good players that were taken throughout the first round. It, it, it's a really deep class. Um, don't know how many superstars are going to come out of it, um, but I don't think that should be what calls whether a, a class is good or not. There, There's a lot of good players already that you can see through the rookie year, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty more that join as the, their careers go on. Um, but so far through the rookie year, Amazing, amazing class. I, I really like this class. Um, and the reason why I wanted to talk about whether they, the Pistons two guys, Jalen Duran and Jane Ivey, could make the all-rookie first team is because I saw, I, I believe it was Bleacher Report um, that posted that their te- what their teams were, and it was a heated discussion across NBA Twitter. And I saw a lot of Pistons fans getting upset with what they decided, uh, Bleacher Report, on their rookie teams. And they had Jane Ivey and Jalen Duran both on the second team. Um, Bleach Report, that is. And Pistons fans were not happy. So, I'm here to come onto the podcast and, and be the tiebreaker here. Be the tiebreaker and bring some bring some unbiased talk about whether or not Ivy and Duran should be first team. 
I'm going to start with Jalen Duran. Jalen Duran can't be first team. He he just can't be. Look, I, I love Jalen Duran. You guys know how much I love Jalen Duran and how high I think his ceiling is. There was one point at the season where I would come on the podcast and say, I think Jalen Duran's ceiling is higher than Jane Ivey's. Like, that's how high I'm on Jalen Duran. The passing ability is there. He's showing improved footwork in the post. His touch around the rim, finishing around the rim, his ability just to straight up try to dunk anything around the rim is there. Lob threat, there. And he shows potential on defense, rim protecting wise, and drop coverage. He shows potential. I'm really high on Jalen Duran, but he's played in 59 games. Played. Um, if he plays the rest of the games for the season, I think the Pistons he'll finish with like 65, 66 games played. So that's just the games argument. But there's another center who, listen, fans, he's just been better. There's another there's another center in this class that's just been better than Jalen Duran so far this season. And that dude who's played 70 games so far is Walker Kessler. Walker Kessler has been really damn good for the Utah Jazz. He's been so good for the Utah Jazz that there are people in that community and there's people across the NBA that are sitting here talking about, do the Jazz even miss Rudy Gobert? Is Walker Kessler better than Rudy Gobert already? Now, I think that's a little foolish. I think that's crazy. But that's just how good he's been. 72% from the field. 72% on two-pointers. Eight points, eight rebounds a game, essentially the same as as uh, Jalen Duran. But Kessler has been one of the best rim-protecting bigs in the entire NBA. He's averaging 2.3 blocks as a rookie. So I don't think that Pistons fans can legitimately say that Duran deserves to be on that team over Walker Kessler because Walker Kessler is having a really damn good season. I think he's just been straight up better than Duran so far this year. And I think because the Jazz are actually competing for something, he's he's an active contributor for the Jazz team that's trying to make the playoffs right now. All of that combined, I think it's it's. I don't think Pistons fans have an argument with that one. I, I think that one's pretty clear. I can't argue that one. I can't fight about that one. I think it's pretty clear. Um, so then we move on to Jane Ivy. And for Jane Ivy, I want I want to say who Bleacher Report had in the first team uh, before we get directly to Jane Ivy, so we can talk about who he could replace. So Paolo Bencaro, he's not replacing Bencaro. Kessler Center, he's not taking his. Keegan Murray, he's not taking Keegan Murray's spot. Look, Keegan Murray is actively starting and playing really well, shooting 40% from the three for a team that might end up with the second seed in the Western Conference. There's there's no argument for that. Keegan Murray has been damn good this year, and he deserves it. 12 points a game, 45% from the field, 41% from deep. He's good, guys. He's He's really damn good. So he deserves to be on that first team, no doubt. And then here's another guy that I, I don't feel like – I feel like he's come on late. He's been good all year, but people are just now, I feel like, at least across the NBA, outside of OKC, are really catching on to how good he's been, and that's Jalen Williams. Um, I believe his name is J-Dub. His nickname is J-Dub. Um, he's been – I'm putting him over Jane Ivey. I, I, think he, I think he has to be 51% from the field, 35% from deep, 13 points a game contributing for another team that's trying to make the playoffs and has been playing really well, good basketball this year. So I don't think Pistons fans really have an argument over J-Dub. In my opinion, I think J-Dub has actually just been better than Ivy this year. I think so. However, 
Now you get to the guys I think the Pistons could have an argument over, and that's Benedict Matherin. Now, Benedict Matherin is the guy who Bleacher Report has on this first team that, again, I, I think that you could make an argument that Dane Ivey should be over him. Um, the thing with Benedict Matherin is he started out this season incredibly hot, like the first month and a half of the season. He was on a burner, an absolute burner. But since then, he's cooled down a little bit. Now, listen, the dude's averaging 16 points a game, 43% from the field, 32% from deep. Benedict Matherin, this is not for us. I'm not trying to come on here and shame uh, Benedict Matherin. He's really damn good, too. Again, like I said, this draft class is just really freaking good, man. It's, it's really good. But I think the Pistons actually would have an argument. Pistons fan base would have an argument for Ivy over Matherin because how Matherin has fallen off a little bit over the last few months since his hot start. Uh, I, 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 I'm not going to say, I'll say this. I wouldn't be too mad. I'm, I'm not going to be like furious if he gets it over Ivy. Cause I think he's still been really good and it's not like they're giving it to a trash can or something like he's been really good. Um, he's been inconsistent, but so has Ivy. I think Ivy has come on strong over the past two months, especially with his playmaking. He's been much better from beyond the arc. He hasn't been as efficient from the floor. That's been a problem for him. And he's had issues with high turnovers, but he's actually been a better three-point shooter than Bandic Matherin this season. So, and again, I think Ivy has come along as the seasons progressed um, each month. So for example, if you just want to go month by month with Ivy, um, November, 50% true shooting percentage. The following month in December, 51%. January, 52%. Then February, 57%. Now this past this, this month of March has not been kind to Ivy, and that's probably hurt him a lot. He's shooting 36% thir- uh, from the floor, 30% from the from deep, 48.9 true shooting percentage over the last nine games in March. Um, so he's kind of fallen off a little bit in March, so that's probably going to hurt him. Um, when you look at Matherin over the months, 61% true shooting percentage in October, then it goes to 56 in November, down to 51 in December, then back up to 58 in January, and that, now he's at 55, 59. So... I think they have an argument. I, I think you could have an argument over Ivy because of his playmaking improvements and how he's been a, a, a better shooter throughout the year, steady-wise, than Benedict Matherin. But then again, Ivy's on a way worse team. The Pacers were actually competing for a play-in spot. He's contributing to that. Like, all that stuff. I could see why Pistons fans can make an argument for Ivy. But in my opinion, I, I, don't, think it's, it's, I don't think it's crazy at all to have Benedict Matherin over Ivy. And that's not to say Jane Ivey isn't a top five rookie from this draft class. I think he'll still be a top five rookie from this draft class moving forward. But this is, and this, all rookie teams is not about who's going to be a better guy moving forward. It's just about rookie season, who's been more consistent, who's been the better rookie. And I think Bendik Mathurin is the guy you can have an argument over for Ivey. But I think trying to be unbiased, I think Mathurin might have the better case as of right now, more so because of how Ivey struggled over the last nine games in March. I think that's hurt him. So. That's where I'm at with it, man. I know you guys are probably going to hate hearing that, but I'm trying to be unbiased and fair to all the rookies. So let me know what you guys think. Do you guys think it's fair for Ivy and Dern to be on second team, or do you think Ivy should be on the first team? Let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kukahill. Um, coming up, we're going to talk about a little a little bit about James Wiseman, uh, give our little update on, on the former Golden State Warrior and how he's played for the Pistons. So we'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Built Bar. The Built March Madness Bracket is here. We know you have a favorite bar or puff, and now's your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorite. 
you know I'll be voting for the peanut butter uh, built bar because that's my favorite one. I absolutely love the peanut butter one. Cookie dough is, is cool too, but the peanut butter one is by far my favorite one. Um, and with the tournament winding down here, you can go on there and also vote for your sports team that you believe is going to win the whole tourney. Then you'll be voting for that bar too. Support your team, support your bar and or puff. And when you vote for your favorite favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lo- lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built. Not only that, but one Locked On fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You got to try Built Bar. Built, the best tasting protein bar out there. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. Seriously, they're so amazing. You won't think that they're good for you, but they are. What makes Built Bars and puffs so good? Well, for stars, they're all high in protein, low in sugar, and covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. Run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick at BuiltMarchMadness.com. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. I almost said five-star review way too early. Those of you guys on YouTube saw that. That was a good old blooper right there. <laughs> um, hit that subscribe button at the YouTube channel. Um, now leave us a five-star review or whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. Um, that's another great way to support the podcast. Um, and let's talk about James Wiseman a little bit. I just want to give like my overall thoughts on Wiseman as of right now. I'm just gonna, It's not real you know, structured here. This is just my thoughts flowing here, um, how I'm feeling about him at this moment. I think Wiseman has been proving that he is is going to be an NBA player moving forward. However, I have one big concern. Now he has he has multiple concerns and multiple things that he has to improve on. I'm still I still really like Wiseman. Like this is the thing with, when you talk about Wiseman. Wiseman has a very rabid fan base, and if you say anything negative about him, they think you hate him. They think you are going you know you just want him off the team, and that's not the case at all. You got to talk about everyone's weaknesses. You can't you can't just be around for someone's strengths or when they play good. Like I feel like I've done a pretty fair like for me, I'm a really big fan of Killing Hayes. I'm really high on him. But I think I've been really fair throughout this year. When he's played bad, I've acknowledged it and not try to hype it up. And when I feel like he's played good, I've talked about it. I feel like I've done both. So with Wiseman, you can't just talk about his goods. You gotta talk about his bads too. And the big concern that I have, like I said, there's a few other ones, his defense. Um, his rebounding is a really his defensive rebounding really is a is a point of emphasis that he has to improve on. But the one major spot for me that's actually been a little concerning to me has been his three point shot. Because the whole point of why the Pistons I feel like are running this two big man lineup, I, I really feel like they think that Wiseman. This is just my opinion. This is not from inside sources or uh, anything. I haven't spoken with anyone, but this is just my opinion on this. I think the whole reason why they're running two bigs is because they think that Wiseman could eventually space the floor out to the three-point line. They think I think they have confidence in that, or at least they did. The concern here is that he's shooting 21% from deep since arriving with the Pistons on under one attempt a game. And I'm not mad that he's not getting them up because this this is the this is the this is the concern here with this three. It's not just the three-point percentage. If you talk to people around the league, if you talk to some scouts, if you talk to like, if you just talk to some people, there's such thing. I think JJ Reddick even talked about this on his podcast once. I think he talked about it with Steph Curry before. Or was it Steph with Dream? I, I don't know. But I know that JJ and Steph have talked about this before. 
I'm sure there's been other shooters that have talked about it. There is a difference. There, there is definitely a thing of good misses and bad misses. There's misses that you can, that, that obviously you miss, but you feel you can feel good about as a shooter. Uh, you obviously want the ball to go in, but again, there's such thing as good misses and bad misses. If you're on, like if you're online, or you just like for me in high school, what my coaches used to tell us, if we if we would shoot the ball and hit like front rim, you'd want to aim for the front rim. If you hit front rim and it's online, you can call that a good miss. Like they, you'd feel good about that miss. You just need to put more more power on the ball. Now, if you hit back iron or something, it's not a good miss. You hit off backboard, not a good miss. If you air ball, obviously, that's a bad miss. Like all the, there, there's such thing as good misses and bad misses. Wiseman's misses from deep are horrific misses. I'm talking like all backboard clanking off there like you can hear it through the the screen when you watch he's airballed some threes he's hit the side of the rim like it almost wedgy like it makes such a big sound when it hits his misses from three have been really bad misses now if he was missing threes but they were again good misses like they were hitting front rim or rimming out or stuff like that now I'd feel better about it like okay he's you know he's shooting him he's not shooting a lot of them he's not shooting a good percentage but there's some good misses and you can see the touch from that from that far out that you think that eventually it could, you know, it could come along down the line. When you have bad misses like he's had, it really makes me think maybe he can't do it. Now I think he can from mid-range. Mid-range I like his face-up game. I think he can do that some. But some of the misses, man, he's had from 3 have me really concerned about whether he'll actually ever be able to shoot from 3. Maybe he can. Maybe he eventually will. He's still really young. He hasn't played much like he could do it. Maybe he could. Not ruling it out. Not saying he can't do it for everyone, all the Wiseman stands out there. I'm not saying he can't do it and that's impossible. But if you're projecting off what you've seen so far, the bad misses have me really discouraged. Like, it has me worried about it. And if the Pistons are going to continue to force the two-big-man lineup, if he's not going to be able to space the floor, I'm terrified. I'm terrified. Because there's a part of me that really does believe that the Pistons, the front office is so high on Wiseman that they'll want to start him next year. Like, if the Pistons get, like, three or four and they get Brand Miller and they want to start him at the three, I, like, I'm really scared that they might want to start Wiseman and Duren together. And if Wiseman can't shoot threes, I'm, I'm like, it's it's a nightmare for me. Like, I'm terrified about that kind of outcome. So, why if they if that were to be something that would happen, he obviously would have to become a three-point shooter. And from what I've seen so far, these misses, man, have me really, really worried about that. So, that's just what I wanted to give uh, my thoughts with. Um, when it comes to Wiseman, let me know what you guys think about the three-point misses. Are the bad misses concerning to you guys enough to be wondering whether he actually will ever extend out to that range, or is it not too concerning to you guys? You guys don't care about it. Let me know what your guys' thoughts are. Comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. That's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first list of every single day. Free and available on all your podcast platforms. Leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. Hit that subscribe button. We're on our road to 5,000 subscribers, just 170 subscribers away. Help me get there before the end of the season. I'd really appreciate it. Um, But until next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe. Go Pistons. Until next time, peace out.